for them. Our scripture, which Steve Chan had read earlier this morning, is widely acknowledged by scholars as a first century piece of journalism. It's a historical account of the words of eyewitnesses. The details are too embarrassing to be made up. Just as someone who would Photoshop an image before the publication of a magazine or an influencer's Instagram account, if they crafted a story, they would have cleaned up the details, maybe polished things off, make it sound more appealing, maybe portray Jesus with more favor, a more powerful and popular king. But as you will see, the story we'll focus on this morning is raw and real and relevant to the world that we live in today. So let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had, to- what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word. So would you join me in prayer? We ask God to speak to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that you reveal yourself in human history. You revealed yourself those 2,000 years ago, and you've been doing that again and again. All around the world, revealing yourself in your glory. And we pray, Lord, that you would reveal more of yourself to us this morning. That we'd be aware of your presence in our midst. And how, how you're inviting us to yourself. We ask that you'd speak and give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
You may feel far off from God at times, but God is closer than you think and invites you to come in. You may feel far off from God, but he's closer than you think and he invites you to come in. This morning we're going to look at the reasons you may feel far off from God and how God is closer than you think and God, we'll look at God's invitation to outcasts to come in. First, let's consider the reasons that you may feel far from God. Verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The shepherds were living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks at night. The Bible background commentary says that the shepherds' work kept them from participation in the religious activities of their communities. Um, I, I, I commend Steve and Kitty that Steve works with UGM and he has shifts on Sunday mornings, but he's making it work with his work and he's taking some vacation days even uh, to, to be with us on Sunday mornings because he sees the, the, the preciousness, the value of being together. But there's many people who have night shifts and it, may, it makes it difficult like this to, to come and be together on Sunday mornings. And it was the same thing 2,000 years ago. The shepherds, they were on a night shift. And they're living out in the fields nearby. There were various uh, people who, who felt disconnected from the religious community because of their work or life circumstances. So for them, it was maybe because of the work, their, their particular profession. The shepherds were physically distant from the city, living out in the fields, but they were also socially distant from the society. Randy Alcorn, a New York Times bestselling author and former pastor, retells the historical progression of attitudes towards shepherds in the early centuries. I'll quote a few of his findings. Dr. Joachim Jeremias says shepherds were, quote, despised in everyday life. In general, they were considered second-class and untrustworthy. Some shepherds earned their poor reputations, but others became victims of a cruel stereotype. The religious leaders maligned the shepherd's good name, and rabbis banned pastoring sheep and goats in Israel except on desert plains. The Mishnah, Judaism's written record of the oral law, also reflects this prejudice, referring to shepherds in belittling terms. One passage describes them as incompetent. Another says no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit, whereas they would recognize that they should rescue an ox or a sheep that's fallen into a pit. Jeremias documents the facts that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights. They could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted in court as witnesses. So it's interesting that they were the first witnesses of Christ, born in a manger. He wrote, this is Jeremias, to buy wool Milk or a young goat from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. You can't trust those shepherds. 
but God trusted them. Maybe you feel like you're on the outside at times, maybe now, because your work keeps you so busy or away from community. Or you're isolated because of sickness. Maybe you're watching online and you feel distant from community. Or because of your life circumstances. Because of what's happened to you, maybe in the past, what's happening to you in the present. Because of the choices that you've made, and maybe you regret these choices and they haunt you. Maybe because of what others have said of you or to you, you feel shame. There's a stigma that's just stuck with you. And maybe you feel distant from God because of this guilt and shame that you are telling yourself. Maybe you don't feel far from God at all right now, but you've had seasons in the past where you've been plagued with this feel of you're in a desert season and God just seems so distant. I've talked to many people, different ages, who have experienced this very season. And if you've never experienced that, you may experience that in your life. So it's worth us to consider these things. Maybe you know someone else who feels far from God right now. And you and I have good news for ourselves and for them. Because you may feel far from God, but God is closer than you think, and he's inviting you to come in. So let's look at the second point. God is closer than you may think. Closer than you may think. Verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 13 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. The angel of the Lord appeared. And suddenly a great company of heavenly host appeared. Heaven is not so far off. Some might think, God in heaven, hear my voice. Maybe the angels will come. But these angels appeared suddenly. The great company appeared. This is a a huge, great company of angels. They didn't just sneak up on them. They appeared. Tim Mackey, a professor and scholar, the teacher of the world-renowned animated video series called The Bible Project. Who here has heard of The Bible Project? They have some very good uh, summaries of the books of the Bible and concepts. And he is a self-described Bible nerd. And at a 24-7 prayer conference, he delivered a message called Paradise Now, which my brother-in-law sent to me the day after I had a similar revelation uh, when we went through the book of Revelation, actually. And so Tim shares this same message here. He points out how in various instances in the biblical narratives where individuals in a variety of different places, they suddenly encountered God. They they got a glimpse of paradise right in their midst, the heavenly realm right there. And then he shares about how this realization has been gripping him and shaping his spiritual formation. He said, 
candidly, somehow these pieces were not put together for me. Like he's a Bible nerd. He, he sees how the scriptures come together, but these pieces were not put together for me as this became not just a set of ideas, but a set of experiences. This is changing how I see everything. He's realizing that paradise is now and so close, accessible within reach. This is changing how I see everything. There is not a place that I can go or a moment in my existence where the eternal presence is not present. There is not a place where you can go in this world that you're out of reach of the eternal presence. Even when you say, I feel that God is far off, he's within reach. Whether that's for you right now, or you can think of a previous season, be renewed in your understanding that heaven is so much closer than you thought. In the midst of your grief, when you feel shame or guilt, and you feel just locked up in a cage of emptiness, heaven is right there. When you feel lonely, alone, isolated, Heaven is right there. God is not far. God is closer than you think. Heaven showed up in the fields at night, in the outskirts, away from the city, away from the center. God may show up in your life when you least expect it. Or maybe sending a messenger to you. Sending a friend, a phone call. Nowadays, you might see God show up in the middle of Tent City. Or in a small, lonely apartment. Or at 3 a.m. after a party. Or at 10 p.m. at a sterile hospital bedside. Or in a prison cell. Heaven appears. God comes close. To invite you in. You may feel far off from God. But God is closer than you think. And he invites you to come in. God invites the outcasts to come in. He invites those who feel far away to come close. Verse 14 says, glory to God. This is what the angels were saying. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth. Peace. The Hebrew understanding of this word is the word shalom. Jewish people would greet each other, say, shalom, it's like aloha or hi, shalom, I'm wishing you peace. But it's not just, I hope you have a good day, but I'm wishing you shalom, which is an understanding of wholeness. We sang this morning, you bring wholeness, you bring healing in your wings. There's this fullness, this 
thriving and flourishing. There's nothing missing in your life. You could be homeless but be whole because really at the very core of you, you are complete. But this shalom also ripple effects throughout the world. It doesn't just stay at the person. But the idea is that shalom pervades the whole earth. But peace to those on whom his favor rests. To those on whom God's favor rests. Who is that? Where does God's favor rest? On the shepherds. On the outcasts. The far off. God offers to cover the homeless with peace. God offers to cover you and I with his peace, with his shalom. By grace, God invites us. He wants us to come close. And he's inviting us to come in under this favor, this peace. God wasn't afraid to associate with the marginalized, with the outcasts, the unwanted. God invites outcasts and he identifies even as an outcast. Verse 16 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. You know, before I knew, I, I thought that the manger was actually like, you know, the, the, the little cabin that we have set up where the baby's inside there. Oh, it's a, it's a, little, it's a little shed. Or it's a nice little, like, minimalistic home, a tiny house. But the manger is a feeding trough for animals. The, the shepherds came to see this promised king, savior, important person, this one and only son from heaven in a feeding trough? You know, that doesn't sound food safe. That doesn't sound baby safe. There was no home for him. It said there was no guest room. Other translation says there was no space in the inn. They were in Bethlehem. Everyone's coming back to the, their hometown. They're having a baby, and they're thinking, where are we going to have this baby? Let's go. Uh, let's find a, a place. And there was no place for this king, the king of heaven. There was no place for him. You imagine, if anyone who's, who's gone through uh, child labor, you're like, okay, let's get to the hospital. Let's get there quick. Our, our third child, we didn't make it to the hospital. We had to have a home birth. It's nerve-wracking. And thankfully, we had the, the midwife come to us. And we, had, we could call her by the cell phone. They didn't have cell phones back then. They didn't have midwives. Like they, it was just Joseph. Mary, and they had to find a place. They find this little place where animals are staying. And where are we going to put the baby? In the food trough. There was no home for him but a stall for animals. There was no crib for him but a manger 
a feeding trough. God came in the vulnerability of humanity, and Jesus had no mansion to rest in, no place to just confidently, comfortably lay. He was vulnerable, exposed to the elements. He had no fixed address on earth. And he would grow up to be the shepherd of God's people. He lived his life welcoming the outsiders, the sinners, the lowly, societies unwanted. He wanted them. Jesus showed the world how his kingdom was far different than the power-abusing kingdoms of this world. In Matthew 25, this is when he's, he's grown up now, and he's teaching about what the kingdom of God is like, his kingdom. Matthew 25, 37 says, Then the righteous will answer the Lord. This is like on judgment day. They're, they're brought before the Lord God, and they answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we f- see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus identifies with the outcast, with the marginalized. And he commends his people when they treat the marginalized, the outcast, with dignity, with love and care, when we invite them in. Luke 2.11 says, Today, this is what the angels were proclaiming to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a shepherd, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What a contrast. In the town of David, the shepherd king, a savior, a Messiah, the long-awaited Lord is born in humanity, but he's lying in a manger, the animal's feeding tray. Jesus, the King of heaven, the Lord of salvation, became a lowly servant, a friend of sinners and outcasts. The one who deserves a golden throne humbled himself into homelessness. The one at the center of the universe went to the outskirts of society to identify with the outcasts and to invite them in. Because since the beginning of human history, we have all, we've, since then we've turned away from God to follow our own desires. And our sins have made us hide from God in guilt and shame. We hide from Him. And These very actions and thoughts have cast us out of closeness. But Jesus is God who comes to join humanity. And he died on the cross outside of the city 
cast out in our place for our sins, offering forgiveness and life in him. John 6.37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to Jesus, he'll never cast out. Would you come to Jesus? He will never cast you out. You may have faced rejection from friends, family, classmates, co-workers in the past. You may have a rejection complex, but Jesus will never cast you out. He is faithful. And he invites you and I to come in to this closeness that we were created for. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up. And would you join me in prayer and response? Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your compassion upon this broken humanity, this broken world. We thank you that you graciously call us back to yourself. And there is no one too far off from your reach. You can appear to them in an instant. And you're even speaking to them now, Lord. Whoever has ears to hear, hear what God is saying to you. Respond. Lord, you call us to respond, to enter into your presence, to return to you, Lord. Lord, we all want to turn to you. We want to enter in close with you, Lord, for you have been coming after us with your love, with your compassion. Jesus, our good shepherd, you came after the sheep that go off to their own way. We thank you that you've done this for us. You're doing this for us now. Lord, we turn to you. We're, we're sorry for our sins that keep us far from you, but they're never too far, and you bring us back in. Thank you for your forgiveness and your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.